0: Hey guys, welcome back to the Red Letter Podcast. As always, I'm so thankful that you're listening today, wherever you are, and doing whatever you're doing. I'm Hunter, and I'm the host, and on this podcast, we dive into the Red Letters, the words of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. By doing so, I hope that it paints a clearer picture of who Jesus was and is, and also who he calls us to be. We've covered quite a few different subjects so far in this journey, and while there is a lot more to cover, I feel that God has been working through me in a powerful way, All by simply reading his word and obeying his commands. I hope that by listening to this podcast, it inspires you to do the same. Don't forget, this podcast, as well as many other podcasts, is not to be a replacement for church or your own Bible study, but hopefully a catalyst for you to get involved in a church and dive deep into your own studies, as both of those are very important in our Christian lives. Let's do a quick recap on last week's episode. The last episode, we talked about anger anger is something that many people struggle with. In fact, they struggle with it daily. We tend to become angry by thinking of ourselves and being selfish in our own thoughts. However, Jesus doesn't call us to be selfish or think about ourselves. Jesus calls us to forgive and not be angry. He also calls us to mend relationships with those that may be angry with us. We discussed how Jesus' teachings here were teaching us to relate to others and how to show others the same love that Christ showed us on the cross. I hope that you enjoyed the last episode, and if you haven't got a chance to check it out, give it a listen. I encourage you to give it a click and hear what the scripture has to say about anger. Now on this episode, we're going to talk about lust. I know, it's a dark word a lot of us like to ignore. A lot of you have heard many teachings about lust, and as for me, I can remember some pretty great ones from my teenage years. It's quite the hot topic in the youth culture world, but lust is not something that just teenagers struggle with. In fact, lust is something that's been around forever, and it's nothing new. It's not a trend that just started with with the millennials, and it's something as old as evil itself. In fact, we even see King David, one of the prominent figures of the Old Testament, struggle with lust in his encounter with Bathsheba. Lust controls our minds, and it consumes our thoughts. It's all over television, it's all over commercials, it's a central marketing piece for big corporations, because lust, in fact sex... Sells, sells, sells. But what does the Bible say about lust? More importantly, what does Jesus himself say about it? Well, buckle up. It's some pretty serious stuff. Let's read. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 27 through 30, Jesus says, You have heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery. But I say, anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So if your eye, even your good eye, causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it away it is better for you to lose one part of your body than for the whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your hand, even your stronger hand, causes you to sin, cut it off, and throw it away, it is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. In just a few verses, Jesus clearly makes his point on how we should look at adultery and lust. While some of you know what these words are, when studying a certain topic, I think it's helpful to find some definitions at times to allow the scripture to become even more clear. So, what is adultery? Good old Webster's Dictionary says this. Adultery is voluntary sexual intercourse between a married person and someone other than that person's current spouse or partner. And its definition for lust is to have an intense desire or need, a craving, to have a sexual urge. Adultery is an outward action, while lust is an inward thought or desire. Now, if you've listened to any of the previous episodes, you're going to remember this. Jesus is coming to write the laws on our hearts. The Jewish people listening to Jesus' teachings here use the law of Moses as means to control their actions. But Jesus doesn't want us to control our actions. It is the thoughts that appear before adultery that Jesus wants us to control. That is lust. Jesus says in verses 27 and 28 You have heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery, but I say anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. The original command that God gave Moses so long ago was given, as was the entire law, as means to set the Israelites apart from the world. It was supposed to allow them to be a kingdom of priests. And why was adultery something that God cared about? Why was adultery included in the law? Well, the simple answer is that God cares about the covenant that man and woman make in marriage. He cares about faithfulness because he himself is faithful. God takes covenant serious, and marriage is no exception, but it goes even further than that. In the book of Genesis, we see God make Eve for Adam. In the very beginning of all time, God makes man and wife. The intimate action of sex that God has made to glorify him has been twisted and stripped of its sacredness ever since leaving the garden. And as I mentioned earlier, the topic today is nothing new at all. I think that God gave this command to Moses as a way to point the Israelites back in the direction that God had created marriage to be. God, man, and woman walking together in the cool of the evening. Now adultery is not the only thing that God includes in the law. He also makes a point to include many other sexual sins. If you look at Leviticus in chapter 18, you'll see that God gives instructions to Moses. These instructions start with the command to not act like the Egyptians who they just escaped from. The Egyptian culture would have rubbed off on the Israelites during their time in slavery, and God wants to ensure that his people know that they are to be different from them. They are to be set apart. If what the Egyptians were doing was righteous, there would have been no need for an exodus. But God pulled them out of Egypt, and there's a hint that maybe it's time for change. And this is how they're supposed to do so. Moses gives the instructions to the Israelites, such as, do not commit incest with close relatives, do not have sex with your neighbor's wife, do not practice homosexuality, so on and so forth. He does so because the land where they had just escaped from, and the land that he's bringing them into, is full of people doing each and every one of those things. Now these sins are as old as we could ever imagine. For centuries and millenniums as humans have wrestled and wrestled with the wickedness that we turn god's creation into even though god gave the israelites the command they still only allowed the law to control their behavior and lust continued to fill their minds and cloud their judgment now let's jump back in the time machine to 2023 sex is everywhere and it has become so common But it's written into songs, made into jokes, and it's the center of many people's lives, even outside of marriage. And unfortunately for some, not committing adultery as a married person is still just as much of a struggle as it was thousands of years before. For me, it's pretty easy. I've seen my wife get terrifyingly angry over me not even getting my laundry in the basket, and I don't want to ever experience the wrath that would come if I cheated on her. But lust, now that's a little different. It's not as bad, you know. I'm a married man, but... I'd be lying if I said that I hadn't struggled with lust. But hey, at least I haven't cheated on my wife, right? That makes it okay. Well, we have allowed the world to tell us that at least. But we have to look at what Jesus says. He's making his expectations crystal clear. And it's time we stop watering it down. It's time we stop justifying our actions and time we start letting Jesus change our hearts, even the parts that we so stubbornly want to hold on to. Because we can't live a Christian life that is consumed with our own desires and our own agendas. It has to be a life rooted in Jesus, a life that his word lives through us and our actions. As I mentioned earlier, lust is everywhere. And it's everywhere because sex sells. In seconds, a person can pull out their phone and find every different avenue to lust. They can't even turn on the TV without being confronted with an underwear commercial with mostly naked men and women right there in your living room. It's so prominent because Satan knows just how to get us. He's much smarter than we give him credit for sometimes. Unbiblical sex has become such an everyday commonplace thing that we don't even bat an eye at it anymore. Satan fills our minds with all these things and attempts attempt to lure us into his traps, to cloud our minds with his ideas and his thoughts, and that's something he's been doing for a long time. He whispers in our ears and tells us that as long as you don't commit adultery, it's okay. Lust all you want, just avoid the act of sex. Or, have sex all you want, and just ask for forgiveness. He has said the same thing for so long. That is why Jesus came to set the record straight. He says that just because you think and don't act does not mean that you are righteous. And much like we talked about on the last episode, anger and lust are both things that start from within. Just because we don't murder and don't commit adultery does not mean that we are free from sin. In fact, that kind of thinking is what will enslave us to sin. Jesus tells us straight up that lust is no different than adultery, so much so that he says this, verses 29 and 30. So if your eye, even your good eye, causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your hand, even your stronger hand, causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Wait, what? (laughs) I'm sure that got the attention of everybody that was on the mountainside with Jesus that day. And I know what you're thinking. Does Jesus really want us to go around dismembering ourselves? Now let's think about this for a second. Let's go back to what we've already discussed. If we understand that Jesus is saying in the verses before, we know that adultery isn't caused by our hands or our eyes. It is caused by our hearts. If we could stop adultery and lust by gouging out our eyes and our hands... We'd have a lot of folks walking around looking like pirates with eye patches and hooks, and that'd be quite the sight to see. But does Jesus really want that? No. Jesus is using a hyperbole here. It's a metaphor to drive home his point. What Jesus really wants is for us to allow him to change our hearts so that all of our limbs and extremities can be used to worship him. In his book, Manifesto, The Revolutionary Sermon on the Mount, Greg Sitters writes this, Nothing but the blood of Jesus can wash away the sin that our wicked heart pumps into our eyes, our hands, and every organ. Our hands and eyes do not cause us to sin. Our sinful hearts do that all on its own. Christ came, died, shed his blood, and rose again so that our hearts could be cleansed and so that our minds can be renewed and our lives can be changed. So that our body, our whole body, eyes and hands included, can be a temple where he dwells and where he lives forever through us. I'm going to share some wisdom that was given to me by a previous boss, and while it related to work and not spirituality, I think it makes even more sense in the spiritual context. You can't expect to treat the symptoms and get rid of the problem. You must treat the source. Originally we were talking about a barfly infestation that I had at a restaurant that I had just started working at, and I think it makes even more sense here. We can't try and modify our actions and our environment to live a righteous life. We can't try and control our behavior and even our thoughts and expect that to set us free from the hands of lust. We must allow our hearts to be changed. We must allow Jesus to take our filthy rags and wash them white as snow. Allowing Christ to transform us from the inside out is where it has to begin. And when that happens, we begin to see things differently. The Holy Spirit comes and breaks down walls that we can't break, And sometimes even opens up wounds that we can't heal on our own. And when this happens, our hearts become more like his heart and our thoughts become more like his thoughts. And then, and only then, are we able to live out the teachings of Jesus here. Jesus has to be our source of life. Jesus has to be our source of purity. Because on our own, we'll continue to fall into traps that Satan sets before us. But seeing things through the lens of Jesus... We can see those traps before they even get close enough to get us. Now, I'm not saying that by believing in Jesus, we won't be confronted with lust. In fact, I find it quite the opposite at times. I think that for most people, when they identify themselves with Christ, Satan will attack even harder. And he will throw this obstacle in the way and this insecurity at you. All in an attempt to get you to fall right back into the pit that Jesus had just pulled us out of. The thing is, we have to make a choice to immerse ourselves in Christ, rooted in his teachings, and strengthened by his spirit. This doesn't happen overnight. It's a choice to daily choose to let Jesus be our source. I don't want to come across and say that we have to work to get rid of our lust, because in the end, the only thing that can help us is Christ. But we have to make a conscious commitment each day to steer away from the things that we struggle with. And for most people, lust is one of those things. Now, how can we stay away from it? I think one way that we can treat the symptom is by limiting our screen time, limiting our phone time, limiting our TV time. And while I envoy Facebook and TV as much as the next guy, it is important that we control the things that we allow our minds to digest. But like I said earlier, we can't expect that to get rid of lust. To do that, we have to find ourselves seeking the help of Jesus. First, through prayer, and second, through reading our Bibles. I talked about prayer on the last episode, and I will talk about it again today because it has to be important in our lives. Staying in prayer helps us to stay away from traps like anger and lust. And while Jesus already knows our struggles, I find that by bringing those struggles and laying those struggles at his feet, it helps us to get back on our feet and walk the life that he wants us to walk. We'll have an episode on prayer coming up soon, but it's not something that we can confine to just one episode on the podcast, so I might sprinkle it in in a few other episodes as well. It's not something that can be confined to two minutes to start or finish our everyday activities. In fact, it's a consistent and constant conversation, especially in times of struggle that must be had to keep us in His Spirit and in His presence. Now let's wrap things up and read the scripture one more time. Matthew chapter 5, verses 27 and 30. You have heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery. But I say anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So if your eye, even your good eye, causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for the whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your hand, even your stronger hand, causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than the whole body to be thrown into hell. If you struggle with lust, take it to Jesus. If you know someone struggling with lust, pray for them. The heart of God is to create in us a new heart and create in us a new spirit. This is his hope for all of his creation. For a long time, I found myself trying to fix problems on my own. I found myself fail at fixing every one of those problems. It's not something that we can fix because our hearts cannot be changed by ourselves. They can only be changed through the Spirit of God, through the blood of Jesus I encourage you to let go of your fleshly desires to release yourself from the worldly wants and I pray that you allow God to invite you into his heart and into his will so that your heart and your will can be made like that of Christ. I hope that you enjoyed today's episode and if you feel led, please share it with a friend. If you have any questions reach out on Facebook or email me at redletterpod at gmail.com I may not have all the answers but I know that through scripture and seeking God there is always a solution. Until next time, Stay blessed.